You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast. I'm Nate Kading, and this is Real Success. This is the Corridor Business Journal podcast, where we explore the life and careers of the Corridor's most influential business leaders. Matt Kroll is a former professional football player who is now the entrepreneur behind Kroll Farms, a successful family farm and modern marketplace using sustainable farming methods. I talked to Matt about the dynamic of working within a family business, the importance of a strong team and workforce supporting you, and Matt's decision to return to the farm after being a pro athlete. Matt also shares his thoughts on implementing sustainable practices to leave the land better than he found it, what keeping the farm educational means for the next generation, and what Matt sees as the future for his business and the farming industry. I learned a lot, and I think you will too. Stay tuned. This episode of Real Success with Nate Kading is brought to you by Midwest One Bank. Midwest One Bank is the proud partner for doers and entrepreneurs in the corridor and beyond. As an SBA preferred lender, our team is ready to help you reach your business goals. It's empowered money management. It's Midwest One Bank, member FDIC. Well, Matt, thank you so much for taking the time. It's it's pumpkin season and football season uh, here in, in eastern Iowa in the corridor, and you something you know a lot about as a uh, you know Hawkeye football player, NFL football player, and now back working on your uh, generational family farm um, just south of Mount Vernon off of Highway 1. I know a lot of corridor folks know it like I know it, which is, you know, this amazing place where there's, you know, something for each season. Um, you know, I know I get your firewood from you and the CSA and the pumpkins and kids come in there and raid the chicken coop every now and then as well. But um, I think it'd be great just to start with sharing a bit about your the Kroll family story and and how the farm got its start and then I think there's just tons of great things to talk about as well with uh, with you and this kind of millennium farmer and some of the new creative things that you guys have been doing in agriculture as well yeah no thanks Nate like I said thanks for having me um it is it's uh pumpkin season football harvest trying to pick away firewood as we can as uh it looks like tomorrow night's going to be about 32 degrees so i'm sure we'll get a uh, plenty of calls regarding firewood but uh but yeah you know we've uh i might murder some of these dates in in the history but uh mid 1860s is when um my grandma's family who last name was wolf they uh settled here right next to cedar river like you mentioned right between my Vernon and Solon um on highway one so just 15 minutes uh north of iowa city corville area but uh so they first settled here and then um you know as history has it uh my grandma then married my grandpa howard kroll mid 1950s um and that's so that's when the farm became uh in a, in a essence kroll farms uh so he was the first generation of krolls here but like i said dated back to mid 1860s with the wolves um and then my father john uh obviously uh took over from there and then I came back now after uh my short football career with the New York Jets uh in 2012 I think uh they cut me one last time Nate for the I think the sixth seventh time <laughs> three or four years <laughs> NFL's good uh, at that that's uh that's how it works that's how it works but uh so I've been back yeah almost 10 years now um 
you know, like you said, you know, dad's still on the farm. Um, mom recently retired, Kayleen, from the post office. I think she put in 34, 35 years there. Um, so she's now, you know, not really retired. She's now back at the farm full time. Um, and they still live on premise here. And then uh, my brother uh, also is now part of the operation. Um, shoot, uh, probably four years now. He's been back full time. So older brother of eight years. Um, he's back now too. So uh, yeah, little help. Uh, always uh, family's always around. Always uh, makes for interesting business conversations and other things and decisions. But uh, we get through it. That's a great history. Take take me back to like you as a kid growing up on the farm. What are some of your earlier memories is it is it like it's like everybody says it is that you're you know you're waking up and you're you're milking the cows and everybody's pitching in all the time or was it was it different than that on the crow farm i would say a little bit different but i think i've done some things <laughs> that probably a lot of kids uh have it you know um sports were a big part of of my life too growing up and never um you know was it hey little Matt get up for chores at 5 a.m. I got to do this you know it was a it was either working out or school or homework and then you know when I had time um, you know I was splitting wood or I was helping one vivid memory I have which is probably illegal now if my mom did it to me but um, my job was to go fetch the little piglets we used to have open uh, farrowing uh, pasture pasture raised hogs um when i was young we got out of that uh 15 20 years ago but my job was to go into the hut which there's a mom who just had babies and i was i was supposed to grab the piglets and get them out so we could uh check them out make sure they're healthy and that was part of my part of my upbringing um as a, <laughs> as a farm kid so some of those things that farm kids you know they are getting fewer and far between but um, um some of those things that we learn or do or you know could go against some uh, parenting principles these days, but uh, are you raking home an allowance at that point in time, or are you? Uh, is that um, just that's just I think, your, I think way man, just I to think, get food uh, on the table? I think I got a penny a piglet, maybe. I don't. I don't remember. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I've got four young children, my wife Nicole, and I don't foresee my kids doing that. They'll come out and pick a pumpkin every now and then, um, but I don't think they'll be uh, battling ferocious sows on a daily basis. Was it common knowledge? I mean, as you sat around the Kroll family dinner table, was it expected of you to at some point in time come back and and run the family farm, the business, you or your brother? Or what was the, was it sort of a, an, an unspoken truth or expectation? Or was it was it more just kind of open than that? And you, and, you know, you, you turn around and here you guys are back, back, you know, carrying yeah. the time forward. I don't think there was a, I don't think there's much open dialogue on um, a force or, hey, this is yours. You need to do that. You know, there wasn't like that. It was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure hope and hopeful, but it was never voiced uh, in my mind or if I remember strongly to come back. You know, it's, I think any farm kid will tell you too. If you grow up in it, it kind of never leaves you. Um, and obviously there are other opportunities for myself and, and my brother Adam went and worked you know, almost 10, 15 years in uh, construction industry, uh, some other things, uh, city city work uh, for like city of Mount Vernon. Um, so he did other things. And then, um, you know, I just kind of 
was drawn back to it and it was drawn to the idea of what I could uh, expand on from what my parents have already created and some of the businesses that we have here that I'm sure we'll get into. Um, but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't um, expected. You know, they obviously would want it, but it never was a, was a spoken thing. How about the, did you guys have much talk where your parents open with kind of the business of farming with you as a kid? I mean, were you, following crop prices and looking over the the p l and talking about depreciating equipment and those sort of things is that something that that you learned about at an early age i think i learned what especially this place and what you know and what people have known us as with the diversification diversification that we have i think that's what i i took away from from a business sense was um being young and kind of seeing um you know, I had no idea of the farm crisis of the 80s or the early 90s that we were still living in when I was young. I was born in 86. So right in the midst of it or the backlash of it, um, you know, but I think that looking back spurred us into what we are today of greenhouses in the spring, produce in the summer, CSA program, pumpkins, um, always had the beef cows, around 150 had a beef cows. Uh, back then had hogs. Um, so we were five or six, seven, eight different, um, I guess, cash flows, if you call them, or businesses. And that's what I learned. I, I, I didn't learn much. Now I obviously do coming back. And that's what I've kind of taken over is a lot of the accounting and um, some of the business sense stuff that's involved on a daily basis. No, really, uh, early on, it was more just me kind of taking back and you know, obviously the hard work is, is always there. And if you put time and energy in anything, which I'm sure we did and, and uh, I know we did, um, you can grow things to, uh, to a, a solid foundation. Walk us through the decision you mentioned. Obviously, you know, we talked a bit about you, know, you had a great football career at the University of Iowa, had a, played a, a few years in the National Football League like it is for everybody in that, in that profession, you know, there's a shelf life there, whether you played till you're 22 or you play till you're 42, it's it, sooner or later that, that professional sports come to an end. Did you know, had you been thinking a lot about what that next professional step would be like for you? Did you know it was automatically going to be coming back to the family farm and, or were there other opportunities that were, that you pursued? Obviously grateful and blessed to have the opportunity there. Um, there's always other steps or other decisions, you know, could have went up to Canada that was still uh, pretty prevalent back in 2012 and played up there. And it was kind of a decision of at that point, I just had got married to Nicole. Um, and so I really didn't want to go up there. Yeah, it would have been a great life experience, but I didn't want to hold her career up. And that was a mutual decision of, hey, you know, she was she's in the communication world and wanted to get out there and, and start uh, her career. So that kind of played into that decision. And then getting back into this cor corridor area, um, obviously opportunity is out there for her. And then uh, for me, there's opportunities like any ex college pro athlete, uh, medical sales, you know, obviously a couple offers or at least meetings were talked about, but it just still, still parents were at that age, they would have been 52, 53. So, you know, I could see they haven't slowed down whatsoever in 10, 10, 11 years, but, um, yeah. you know, at that age where the next generation needed did not need, that's the wrong word, but opportunity was there to 
continue to grow what they've started and build a foundation of all these businesses that we talked about and then see what I can do and make room for myself and my family to, uh, to, you know, garner that extra income to provide for another family. You know, yeah. we had Grandma Lizzie who was still, still alive then, um, Grandpa Howard had passed a few years before that. And then obviously, uh, mom and dad were there. So what did I need to do? What did I need to grow? to make room for myself and uh and i'm sure my young family that was going to start so um yeah i don't know there always has opportunities i mean anytime uh as you know and any person know you know you make connections in college let alone you play a sport or you do the right thing and network while you're there at the university um you're gonna have opportunities but i just felt like uh there was enough opportunity here to do some things and and continue to carry on the legacy, I guess, of, of what we've created. And on this podcast, we've talked to a few other business owners who have come back and, you know, taken over, taken over the helm of the family business. What's the consideration there in terms of working for or with, you know, your dad and your mom and your brother? What are some of the pros and cons of working in a family business? I mean, is it pretty natural for you guys or is, are there some, some moments of conflict there? <laughs> I don't know how deep how deep can we get on this on this podcast, but uh, no, I, you know, they've been so entrepreneurial in what they've done to create this place. They've been open to ideas, so I think that's especially in the egg world, and why a lot of uh, family farms cease, not only from a economical standpoint and some hardships that uh, you know even the recent years have encountered in the row crop uh, side of things. It's just uh, the older generation resisting change or land values or other things. I'm kind of jumping into that and not the family. But my point is they've been open to change and have been adaptive. And, yeah, obviously, working with family, there are discussions had that, well, we've done it this way or this has worked or, hey, we can't. We're at the point now where we've grown some of these businesses where, hey, this is the most labor intensive for the least amount of money, you know, simple, simple, simply put. Yeah. Um, you know, what do we need to do to have some life work balance at times because agriculture pulls at a lot of that time um, with family, with life. And uh, how do we continue to mold this beast into something that can be manageable, but still, still enjoyable and, and grow at the same time. So you mean, yeah, they're never they're never easy conversations by any means. An example when your mom and dad say, "You know what, Matt? Shut up. That's a dumb idea." There's got there had to have been a few of those along the way too. Probably when I talked to Nate Kading and he's got some <laughs> idea. Don't listen to that. No, I'm kidding. Um, an example, they've always had those ideas. I think you know we we put up a new retail space probably four or five years ago. You know, it was always Dad's goal to kind of separate and have a little more professional spot. But for me, coming back, that allowed that push, you know? And yeah, I've got certain ideas on, hey, we just we just can't keep up with this. Like, this is something we need to scale back. And that's where he's, hey, just, we'll get it done. We'll get it done. You know, his mentality is, you know, hard work, hard work, hard work. And sometimes, you know, more often than not, that is the answer in a lot of these industries that we're in. But certain times, you just got to be like, so there's been some ruffling of feathers between, I guess, dad and I at times of, hey, you need to slow down, you know, 
and he just I'm not slowing down. You can't tell me to slow. You know, it's yeah. like, you know, well, I'm telling you to slow down. I appreciate everything you do. Trust me, and I see how hard you work. But hey, you know, at certain moments, you're 60, whatever. You know, getting up there. No offense. Yeah, that is you an know, interesting, interesting generational dynamic, and I think one that's becoming more and more prevalent in in this day and age and post COVID. When you hear a lot more about remote work and people having you know a lot of talk about flex flexibility within work and autonomy and those sort of things like american express just announced um not long ago that they're offering all their employees the ability for four weeks out of the year to work from wherever they want in the united states or the world or you know encouraging them to okay. travel and plug in remotely yeah. but of course you know as a farmer and in agriculture and and, and various other hands-on industries that's not the case and a lot of us in that kind of millennium generation and and, and probably more so earlier Talk a bit about how that, how you view that. You know, you, you mentioned manageable, making sure the farm is manageable. How do you kind of juggle the, you know, your free time and your family time, and you're looking at, mm. you know, other buddies of yours that maybe working on some beach in Cozumel, yeah. while, well, you know, while you're tending to the cows because, because you know what, someone needs to tend to those cows because that's the way farming yeah. is. You know, every yeah, day, the, chores, every day, chores need done every day. Every, how do you, how yeah, do you approach it, that? What's what's your approach to it? I think, and, and anyone will see, and if you talk to, uh, uh, you know, say a 2,000, 3,000 acre row crop guy, it's technology. You know, technology and machinery has, has allowed us to become more efficient in every industry, but still, and specialized stuff we do, it is hands-on, you know, there's no robot or machine that can pick a pumpkin, so that needs to be done. So it's, you know, I, it's a fine balance between Finding a good labor force, one, finding quality, say a high school kid or a college kid or, um, you know, uh, seasonal help, however you want to do it, a lot of part-time help. Um, so having a good team around you, I guess, is what makes it what makes it good. And but I don't have a good answer for that, you know, seeing my buddy off for four weeks working wherever. I just, you know, they're always a horrible thing to say. My wife hates it. There's always something to be done, right? So you've got yep. to prioritize, prioritize and allow, when available, technology and machine to, to help you out. And uh, you know, I don't. It's just hard. It's hard. And I think you see a lot in dairy industry. You know, Dan and Debbie's, for example, in um, in Ely here has robotic milking, robotic feeding. And this new generation with they're all my age just came into the business and it's, you know, it's kind of spurred that uh, animal into what it is too, to allow a little more flexibility. Um, so when opportunity arises, I guess, for this business, Kroll Farms, um, you got to be able to do it um, to just have that life balance. Because uh, I do have four children, you know, seven through two months and, and uh, you know, they need time and, and it's not always time spent riding with dad on a tractor or picking pumpkins you know it's, it's time hopefully time away so yeah yeah tough tough question for me to be able to answer completely into some of the things that we're in um and the way the world's going like you mentioned uh time away vacation time um so it's just with us it's just really pushing communication um i think that's so which is getting lost a lot of times in business world is, is communicating and prioritizing and scheduling the best we can to, to make sure a leader or some point of leader is, uh, is on base here at the farm. 
Yeah, and you've, I've always admired, you've made such a, you know, what seemed to be a seamless transition back and, and dove right in. Was there ever a moment, you know, whether it be in the first year or somewhere down the line when you're like, holy, holy cow, what I get myself into? <laughs> this is a little more than I bargained for. Was there ever a, a moment yeah. there? And, and if there was, you know, what, what sort of changed and, and how did you become, you know, accustomed to this new lifestyle? Yeah. I mean, I'd be lying if I said that there wasn't, you know, with, uh, what do, what do farmers always say? Land rich, cash poor, some, you know, that's always an old adage, which, uh, you know, can be true. It cannot be true, but, uh, you know, sometimes the hours and the work and the labor and yeah, there were certain times like, what the heck, you know, this is the other, the other side of the fence is greener. The grass is greener on the other side, but you know, you always kind of recent yourself and you have to have those days or long days, either baling straw or square baling or, after you pick 5,000 pumpkins in a day to kind of sit around a fire, sit around the table or just sitting around the, the truck or whatever and kind of always keep yourself centered and grounded in, hey, that was a freaking good day. Working outside, 75 degrees, sun is shining like today, you know, little breeze, 70 degrees, sun is shining. Don't have, you know, you're worried about what's in front of you and planning the next phase and it's your business and you know hopefully you know someday this is carried on by by someone if it's not my family the business is still alive whatever so I guess what I'm saying you know you have those moments of like what the heck like you said what the heck am I getting myself into or that job really stunk or mama cow was not very happy with me today and beat me up a little bit um but you got to kind of just recenter yourself and recenter the family on you know, what the goal is and, and why we do what we do. What do you see looking 30 years down the line and, you know, you've, you've got a son there running the farm. What is, what does success look like 30 years from now from Kroll Farms, you know, beyond just being in existence, right? I mean, what is, what other improvements, what other things need to happen in the, in the course of time for you, you know, you to consider, you know, your, your stint at the helm there to be a success? Yeah. Yeah, that loaded question. Um, if Brady, the son, is, is around, you know, if he chooses something else, so be it. But um, um, I think success is just continue to we, – we take pretty serious kind of life cycle of, uh, of what we are. I think we diversified in, in a lot of things. We still have the cattle roaming, um, the pasture, the timber ground, the row crop ground. And so we're really, um, I guess, in depth on uh, – soil health and leaving this piece of land, which we run or rent or own about 12, 13, 1400 acres. Um, so if we can keep this piece, not only from a soil health, not to get too technical, but you know, we've managed our timbers well, we've done our best with soil health. You know, we've hopefully left this place better than we've had it. We've managed water flow, water quality, whatever, whatever hot item, which is totally out there today. And, you know, as far as climate, as far as water usage, as far as fertilizers, pesticides, all these things, if we've managed those, you know, and, and this place is better than, you know, when I got to it and it's better in 30 years from a, from a pure land and health standpoint, you know, that's success, obviously, you know, I think if we continue to do what we do and, and 
always have great customers and a great team in place, you know, the business will, in my mind, hopefully always run, especially diversified as, as we try to be here with pumpkins, flowers and things. So I think success is just really stay on the front edge of um, managing this little piece of ground in the grand scheme of things as best we can and doing it the way as hopefully conservationists are doing. Um, I think that's success, you know, obviously hope the money is there to, to raise, to raise uh, multi-generations and let new family come in and do whatever we need to do. Um, but that's another thing besides the main goal of uh, running a stable business and then sustainable business is, uh, is number one. Yeah, and I know one of your other kind of philosophies and core tenets of what you all do that you value a lot is just this idea of education. You know, one of the biggest challenges that we have, not only in Iowa, but probably the country, is a sort of rural-urban divide. You know, the, the contrast sure. between the life someone might live in inner-city Des Moines or Iowa City is a lot different than out in a rural county in, in Iowa doing what you guys do in terms of farming. And I know you guys... You know, you, you invite everyone in, you know, you call them your customers, but, you know, other community members, you know, whether it's buying flowers on Mother's Day or, you know, experiencing the pumpkin patch during the fall. Um, and I think that, you know, that's, that's an important thing, you know, as we look to, you know, cross political divides and so forth, as we look mm -hmm. to kind of balance the, the uh, you know, diversity within our state here. Talk a bit about how you guys approach that and why, why it's important to you to you know, and the CSA, you know, is another great example, um, you know, taking the food out, out to the people, not only bringing it, inviting them into the farm. Talk a bit about, you know, education and how you guys approach your role uh, in, in just sort of, you know, helping bridge that gap between the, the rural and, and urban. Yeah, we, we hear it all the time, um, especially kind of, uh, I would say, 40, 50 generation. Oh, I grew up on a farm. And now I'm, I'm in town, really miss this, you know, so hopefully we always have that kind of, it's going to be more and more of that nostalgic feeling uh, for people, but just always be present um, and put our best foot forward into showing not only those 30, 40 somethings now that have left the farm, but I still have some sort of understanding, trying to hold on to that gap and then now bridge this next one where their children never saw a farm. City slickers yeah. like me, you know, we come out. And yeah, it's like, <laughs> that's where all my eggs are going because Nate's kids are stealing my eggs out of my chicken coop to eat breakfast the <laughs> next morning. But uh, no, I, and and every and every day in October, we usually have about 40, 50 preschool, first, second graders uh, come to the farm. Um, we show them chickens. Hey, this is you know what do we get from besides chicken nuggets. What do we get from chickens? And uh, maybe one or two says an egg and blah blah, blah you know. Eggs are good for this reason, and we get one egg a day from each chicken, and we move on a little farther down the path at the farm, and there's 95 uh, beef cows or feeders, um, you know, six, seven-month-old calves, you know, and it kind of educate them on hamburgers or steak or beef in general, and, hey, this is where it comes from, and a lot of, a lot of oohs and ahs from the preschool five, six-year-old kids, but you know, hopefully just always stay present and like you kind of said, just open and transparent on and answer any question that we can on growing corn and soybeans or raising sweet corn or like you mentioned, raising vegetables um, and keeping that open forum to stomp out any uh, 
any false data or false allegations, you know, and there's always bad eggs in every industry. And not saying there's not all every hundred percent of farmer does it the right way, you know, but I'm sure most of them try. And uh, I think for us, it's just keeping this place educational, um, keeping it close to a farm as we can. And that, you know, that allows us to keep our diversification, but then also hopefully in the grand scheme of things, have that feeling of connection um, with our people who come out, I call them customers or whoever, community members uh, to see it. Is there anything else, you know, you guys have diversified seemingly about as much as one, one could diversify on a, you know, a plot of 1200 acres with everything you guys do, but is there one or two things that Coral Farms is looking to roll out anytime soon? I mean, any sort of new animal you can, you can raise that we're mixing crop you can grow. Like what are we, what are we missing out there? Is there anything else left? To, left I don't to know, man. We're just, we're just trying to do what we do better and more efficient. You know, obviously uh, you and I have had multiple conversations on, you know, the one thing we don't direct market uh, corn and soybeans, we don't obviously, but everything else we, we tend to do is direct market, you know, direct to consumer. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you know, I think that's allowed us to grow in what we do and stay connected very well um the only thing we're missing also is the beef got to get that that crow crow line of uh wangus beef man that's what gotta get, do. i don't think that's it that was a that was a long conversation ago um but we we raise uh pure black cattle they're cross they're angus little semental um seven gale now but i think just putting that out there i think that's kind of a missing layer i don't know if it'll happen i keep dragging my feet i'm not taking the leap sometimes that's not good um, but processing has been a huge deal and a huge concern, um, not only through COVID and now just even more so, um, we just don't have that infrastructure, small scale infrastructure in, uh, this surrounding area. In my mind, you know, if you, if you, Nate came and bought a cow for me, a calf say, and raise it out to 1200, 1300 finishing weight, you're going to be two years out, you know, before you can get a processing date at a local local lockers, say Solon, Tipton, Edgewood, at least a year, maybe two years out. Yeah. And by that time, that time your little calf that Nate bought two years ago is, is uh been eating way too long and, and not doing what it's supposed to do. But yeah, I don't know. That's the, that's the hiccup. That's the only thing maybe we're missing. If we need another layer of thing around here, that would be probably what it would be next. So, well, it's certainly a, an impressive business you guys have built out there. I know it's a great source of pride for all of us that live in the area to be able to go out there and visit and, you know, seeing people driving up and down between Mount Vernon and Solon and Iowa City to Cedar Rapids. It's a it's a pretty pretty cool example of um, you know, an entrepreneurial farm and uh, you know what what farming and agriculture can be with uh with a little bit of innovation and and um you know, work ethic kind of coupled, coupled together. So it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty impressive, but we love to finish off all these interviews with just some quick rapid fire questions. So Matt, how much of your success would you contribute to luck versus hard work? Percentage? Yeah. Give me a percentage luck or hard luck versus hard work. I would say, uh, I would say 70 hard work, 30 luck. Yeah, spoken like a true farmer. Sometimes you need some some rain when you need it, right, or a dry day. Hey, man, Mother Nature dictates a lot of things I do. <laughs> yeah. If given the chance, what profession other than farming would you most like to attempt? Dang, I'd be a firefighter or something. Some cool, some community involvement here. You can do that on the side, can't you? Volunteer. I can volunteer. do a volunteer. 
Yeah, yeah. you guys got, got all sorts of time. Time yeah. left. Do you have a, a business leader or someone that you've followed either within the agriculture industry or outside of it? I think I've watched, I, uh, I sell seed for Bex Hybrid too, um, as another facet of what we do. And I think uh, I've always kind of viewed a little bit of the Beck family too. And they're a family owned business, obviously a, a billion dollar family business in the seed business, but uh, they've always kind of held true to their values, uh, Christian values, uh, you know, as far as workplace culture and things. So it's something that I've kind of, within the last seven, eight years that I've been selling, kind of viewed them um, pretty heavily because they're in the same industry. Uh, podcast and TV show. What are you, you know, are you listening to, you know, just to, uh, something in the, in the tractors you're riding around or in the truck or the show that you're watching at home right now? Dude, I haven't, I haven't, man. I mean, I need to, I need to listen to more podcasts and get out there more, but I guess I was addicted like everyone else to Yellowstone. That's not yeah. even like inspirational. It was just kind of, it's a great really entertainment purely entertainment factor and uh, a little Western right. flair. Yeah. How about a, uh, that's probably easy for you as a whole football player. You got a favorite motivational quote, something if you're not feeling like going out and bailing the hay that day, something you pops into your mind to get you going. Yeah. Um, gosh, what is it? I, I learned this. Uh, I throw this out a lot. I uh, read this on Brian Ferentz's locker of all people. Um, he was a center and I was a D tackle, but I was rocked by his locker and he had one inside his locker that said, even if you're on the right track, you'll still get ran over if you don't move, you know? Okay. So, so even if you think you're doing the right thing, you think you're doing this, you still got to keep moving faster and faster or put in an extra degree or whatever cliche statement you want, but just, uh, Hey, yeah, I'm up, but are you, what are you doing with your day? You know, I'm up at five, but, what are you doing? You know, yep. you just kind of humming around or are you planning, moving, executing? If you had 30 extra minutes in a day, what would you do with it? Probably uh, hit the gym a little more. I know a lot of stuff I do is pretty labor intensive out here, but I think uh, I could invest in my body even more so to make sure I'm still moving around when I'm 67 years old. A little yoga out on the That's being the selfish. Farm. That's being yeah, some go yoga, but obviously more time with family, I think would be one, but I think if uh, my quick answer would be a little more self-investment. Yeah. You know what they say? Self-care is not selfish. You tell, oh, okay. tell Nicole or your dad that next time they, they if you're, they're giving you a hard time about taking. I am trying to get, I am trying to get to a chiropractic appointment with Dr. Mike Humple here pretty quick. So I'm yeah. trying, I'm trying. And then the last question is, uh, in just one sentence, how do you define success? How you're viewed in other people's eyes, you know, your, not your image, but like, have you put a good enough foot forward professionally, business, family, that you can be viewed and you feel in your soul that you've done the right thing or you're doing the right thing, or you've accomplished, you've accomplished hopefully something that is worth it. I don't know. That's horrible. <laughs> That's how do you view success? That's great. We we save my podcast for later. That's when this wraps up. Oh, podcast man. series is done. Twenty years from now, I'm going to drop my one final piece. Pull of that <laughs> but this has been great, uh, Matt. Appreciate you taking the time. Hopefully, the uh, fall season finishes up well out at the farm and uh, get all that firewood split and get it out to all the islands and get them keep them warm during keep the winter. Keep them warm. Keep the kids happy with pumpkins, and we'll be good. 
Absolutely. I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Cool, Nate. Appreciate it. Have a good one. This episode was produced by Joe Coffey of Coffee Grande Studios. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at CB Journal. 